reaching up, reaching over, and reaching out. We are New Life Christian Fellowship. For service times or recordings of our weekly messages, please visit us online at www.nlcfchurch.org. I'm going to attempt to do something that I've done years ago, and that's to sing a song all by myself. And uh, there's a risk in doing that. Um, the risk for me is to repeat what I did when we went to Bible college, and I mustered up the courage to do that a cappella, and then my nerves got to me. And so I'm setting myself for, self up for the same thing, right? How many of you know how well you can breathe when you're nervous? <laughs> it doesn't work well. I, was, I initially thought I would maybe just launch into the song just so my nerves wouldn't get to me, but here goes. And this is a song that, uh, just a few stanzas, very simple song that uh, is all the way back when I first started. I had given my life to Christ, um, but I kept having to give my life to Christ, especially early on. And uh, yeah, let me just launch into it. In the morning... When I rise, in the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. When I am alone, oh, when I am alone, when I am alone, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. When I come to die, oh, when I come to die, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. You can have all this world. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Father God, as we think of giving our lives, our hearts to you, just pray that the words coming from your servant's mouth this morning would reflect what your intentions, what your will is for your people to hear this morning. And would you help me get out of the way enough to accomplish that in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought I would treat this more like a Sunday school class this morning. Hopefully you're okay with that. I really, uh, I really don't mind being up there, but it Sometimes it's just good to change things up, because I'm one of you. I'm not special. And uh, I like to celebrate that. 
What do you have in your arsenal as far as tools um, that help you as a follower of Christ, help you push through hard times? What do you go to? What's your well that you drink from when times are hard? Anybody brave enough? Music. Music's such a powerful one. Prayer. Bike riding. I love that too, Sarah. The Bible. I've been, I've been reminded recently and, and in the last couple of years how important it is to keep going back to those places, right? To, to keep going back to what draws us to God. Um, for some of us, it is that, you know, these things like, uh, and for me, worship music, probably no surprise. Um, that, that radio on that truck just doesn't go loud enough sometimes, honestly. And uh, factory stereo systems are, are pretty good anymore, <laughs> but I didn't get the upgraded one in this truck and it, it bums me out. <laughs> I should have. Yeah, so music, worship is one of them. Bible reading, um, bike riding. For me, it's going to the gym. Um, and, and I'm going to keep returning back to that just because that's, that's where I'm at right now in, in my relationship with the Lord. He's called me back to a, a life of a bit more discipline. And it's incredible the impact that it's had paying a little more attention to myself physically how that's affected my spiritual life, um, how I feel about myself, um, my capacity to reach out to others, to connect, to tell them about the hope that I have, the self-confidence and the self-esteem that comes with all of that. It's been incredible. It's been absolutely incredible. So when things are difficult, we need to find something that we can go to um, that gives us that resilience to push through. We do well to remember the stories and struggle of those that have gone before us. The history of that song that I sang, it's a very, very simple song. It's called a spiritual. And, uh, and Jeremy, Jeremy Camp uh, redid that, and that's whose I was singing this morning. Um, but when, there was, when slavery was much more pronounced, uh, not that many years ago, actually, uh, if we look at world history, the abolition of uh, slavery was not that long ago. And it was the church that was instrumental in having slavery stop. William Wilberforce. How many of the, have heard of that name? Okay, there's a few. He was a believer. And he was one of the, one of the pioneers, one of the uh, early ones that stood in the gap for those that were in slavery. And so the church has a history of helping people to be set free. The history of the song, um, you know, is, is that of struggle, of needing to find hope um, and renewed strength to carry on um, in the midst of being uh, mistreated. I'm not saying they all were, um, but I think a number of them were. Or just the, uh, the whole identity of being oppressed. Um, it can take a toll. Um, yeah, with that said, so many of the powerful Negro spirituals come out of a, a deep, dark oppression. Song and music was given to mankind to be an insulator for life. I think it does. It helps, us ins it helps to insulate us from the harshness of what's, what sometimes is our experience in life. And it can really, really be um, that bomb, B-A-L-M, um, that salve. These are old words, right? That lotion. Um, to help soften life sometimes. Song and music was given to mankind to be that insulator. We need help when crisis comes. When life is unfair, as it is, we need to go to those places that we, can, uh, that we know can recharge us. Too many times people get stuck and begin wallowing in the difficulty of their circumstances only to miss out on the opportunities that God might have in them, uh, for them in and through the difficulty if only we can open our hearts to that possibility. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes it's hard to have hope in the midst of our challenges. Um, but just know this, God is faithful to see us through some of those difficulties and uh, bring hope 
restore hope in our lives. Uh, I always feel the need to also address the aspect of abuse. Um, if you're in a, or you know somebody that's in a, a dynamic where they're being abused, I'm not saying that God's, oh, just put up with that. God's going to, you know, make you better as a result. Come on. Let's also not uh, couch everything that's evil, you know, in this, right? Like, there's times where, where the evil of abuse needs to be exposed, just like I was talking earlier about slavery. When you shed light on, especially light, I mean, true light comes from, from, from the scriptures, when you, when you shed the light of uh, the redemption and uh, the redemption story of who God is and what he wants to do in and through his people, when you shed that light on, on evil, it has to go. And, uh, and so we're glad for the, uh, the ending of, officially of, of slavery. Let's not kid ourselves. Human trafficking is still a very, very big and dark, dark thing in our world. It's very, very sad. But most of us don't have that as our experience. I trust that that's who we are this morning, that you're not in a situation where you're being abused. Most of us have a lot of first world problems to deal with. What do I mean by first world problems? Well, the drive to work, you know, all of a sudden somebody that, you know, got their driver's license from a Cracker Jack's box. What are they doing on the road anyways? And so sometimes we can get caught up in those kinds of scenarios. And, and I will say this, what I've found is, um, as I've been walking with God, I'm getting better at leaving room for God to whisper in those moments so that I recall when the last time I made a mistake while driving or recalling, you know, I'm not sure what that person's experience was this morning. I need to leave room. I need to leave room for grace um, because I don't know their story. And, and that's not just for driving. That's for um, words that come at you when people are very unfiltered and, and didn't think through what they're saying, um, those sometimes can be very, very difficult. Um, but again, um, I think with God's help, we can push through and that can become uh, things that we can grow from. Um, how we handle those disagreements or um, whatever it is that we're facing. We know for the most part, it is worth the effort pushing through difficulty. How many of you know the, that story of this caterpillar that turns into a chrysalis and in order for that butterfly to come out, it has to struggle so that the fluids, I think this is the science, the fluids get pushed into the wings and those wings then can spread and fly. If you short circuit that process, if you remove that struggle, the moth can come out of that chrysalis a little easier, but it will not be able to fly. What a terrible thing to do to remove the struggle of life, right? It's astounding to say these words because it's like, well, I don't want my life to be hard. At the same time, we know that without struggle, we're probably not going to grow. Without effort, I would add that. Sometimes it is struggle. Sometimes it's just effort. Coming, showing up again, right? Well, I, don't, I don't really feel like going to church. I don't feel like going to... I don't want to leave my name standing. I don't want to serve anymore. I've served enough. As, uh, thanks for praying for Meadowbrook. Um, as you heard, Pastor Chris is, uh, has, has handed in his and his last message is coming uh, at the end of July here. So we're both in a very similar circumstance now as churches. And, uh, and I think sometimes um, what's very healthy for a group, sometimes we get so focused on trying to find somebody to rescue us that we miss that process of struggle and of challenge and the growth that can happen organically as a result. You guys have leadership within you, and kudos to those of you, Bill and Sarah, Abe and Tina, and John and Lena. I should remember that, right? I don't know who else has been here uh, a long time, Dale. Uh, you know, some of you have, have been here for a bit, for quite some time. It's worth it. And, and I want to bless you for that, for your commitment, 
Uh, I say that being one of the ones that stepped away because we felt called away. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for the relationship that was left intact for us to be able to come back and to continue to sojourn together, to continue to walk this journey of faith together, not quite sure at times what God's up to. What, what God's up to. Um, it can be that challenge, but I want to say it's worth it. New Life Christian Fellowship, you're worth it. God bless you as you keep pouring in. So what do we have going for us? This whole conversation about struggle, a song from the depths of the darkness of slavery, this whole ominous sort of situation. I don't want to leave you hanging there. And I, I suspect that you weren't, uh, you weren't expecting that. But if we look at today's passage from uh, 1 Peter, um, and, and the reason that this one stood out and was so precious to me was um, early on in our faith journey, Peter Reimer, who started the Leamington EMC Church, um, took 12 of us guys through, it was, I think it was a 12-step discipleship uh, course, and it was based on this very passage. And we had to put this passage to memory, and it served me well over the years. What do we have going for us when we encounter struggle and challenge? Here we have kind of the recipe, the toolbox of what God has done for us. He hasn't left us to figure out what we need to figure out on our own. He's given us the tools, and this is an incredible truth. Just like a few Sundays ago when we looked at unpacking this whole guy that comes across this treasure in the field, does whatever it takes to get this treasure because it's so precious. And, uh, and then the joy uh, that, that we can live um, because of what Christ has done for us. But God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I think I asked this last time, how much is everything? Uh, everything, right? Yeah, when you look it up in the Greek and the, or whatever, the original translation, it means everything. Who knew? Everything. And it's up to us simply to ask. And as, as we press in, you know, to, to the truth of who God is, God begins to reveal things to us and then we respond to that. And as we respond and we're faithful with what he's revealing, more comes. It's, it's amazing how that works. And, and I'm not saying more just as in somehow God is like this vending machine that if we're not getting what we want, we sometimes shake it a bit and we kick it or, or whatever. We're not getting what, come on, I put my money in, I put my time in, like now it's your responsibility to respond to my commitment. I don't know if that's been a challenge for you, uh, but there's been times where I've, I've wondered about that and I've asked those questions. And you look at stories like Job, Job was a, a, a superior example of a godly man. God says so himself, and yet he allows Satan to come and tempt and strip away everything that he had, pretty much everything. And in the end, he's asking for justification from God, and it sounds harsh, but God's response is, are you God? Ooh. You're right. And it's important to remember our place, but it's also important to remember that God does tell us that he delights in giving us good gifts and responding to our requests for more. So this 12-step discipleship program based on 1 Peter here, um, I, just, I recall a strong pull to offer my life to God's service early on as I encountered God in the scriptures uh, in, the very, in very new and profound ways. Um, I don't know if you guys know all of my history, but uh, my dad recently retired from being a minister at the Old Colony Church. I grew up uh, in, that, in that church, as, as some of you did. I, I shared that space with some of you, and uh, I'm very glad for that experience now. I didn't always look at it that way, because I felt very cheated. Um, and my, my, actually, my question to my dad, um, when, I, when I found Christ, um, I had a heavy, heavy burden. And I, I went to see him one day, and I asked him if he knew 
that you could spend eternity with God the Father in heaven? And he said, yes. I was instantly relieved, and then I was very mad. I was very mad. And I pinned him on the wall. I, I, I look back, and I, I'm astounded that he had the capacity for the youngest of eight kids calling him on the carpet the way I did. And for quite a few years, I spent uh, kind of harassing him. Why are you still there? Why are, they're muzzling you. You can't even preach openly. What's going on? How are you going to answer before God when you get to eternity? I look at that now and I, and I realize, I, I think I was out of place, but there was this zeal and this passion and this fervor because of what God had done in my life. I so wanted that for those loved ones around me. And, uh, and he didn't, he didn't uh, lash out. He was very gracious. He was, he was an example of Christ. I, I marvel at that this, to this day. Because it, I, I imagine it must have been fairly humiliating for him. Um, and it's weird how, as a father myself now, having kids that now are moving on in life, how that very same thing happened a while ago to me, where, yeah, where I thought I did a pretty good job raising my kids, and then I was reminded, in no uncertain terms, that I suck. <laughs> and so that's hard. That's hard when kids respond that way, um, whether it's justified or not, right? Um, and I exercised the same thing. I didn't respond. I just followed up a week later with that conversation. And out of that, our relationship is growing, right? And it's the same thing with my dad. Out of our time together, out of my pressuring him, I asked if we could pray together. And that was the first time I prayed with my dad, ever. And out of that, developed a relationship. And when I became a lay minister here, he wrote me a letter in German acknowledging that we were now brothers serving in the kingdom. And some of these things are not known about my dad. <laughs> not largely. And I look forward to, you know, to telling people more about him, especially now that he's stepped away from the pulpit. I don't think it's as, quite as risky. It's not risky. It's, uh, sometimes we worry too much about what people think. Sometimes we don't care enough. And so to get that balance right... There was a strong pull on my life early on. Lena and I did not have a relationship that f uh, reflected good godly principles at that time. But that changed when we began leaning into who God is and how he was calling us to himself. It seemed that the more time we spent pursuing him and pursuing things in a way that he could bless, our lives became fuller and more meaningful. Notice I didn't put the word easy in there. Our lives didn't become easier because we had to step away from relationships, some of them family even, that were not conducive to growing good godly things in our lives. And it took a toll. And in some ways, God kind of ruined my life. I, uh, at that time, I thought I was going to be a competitive bodybuilder and impress people. And... All of a sudden, he got involved, and, and he messed it up for me. And I'm so thankful, right? Because that lifestyle is very vain. It is 100% based on how you look on the outside. And as much as we idolize and we adore that kind of thing, um, and, and I think to some degree... We respect that because we know just how much work it is. And, I, and I'll tell you, that's been my journey lately. And it's a lot of work, especially as you get older. A lot of work to stay away from that kitchen table and that fridge. Because you can't out-train your diet. I found that out. I give myself cheat days on the weekends. Because if I don't, I think I'll just lose it and binge. <laughs> right? But with that said, discipline 
has played an, a really, really important uh, role in my life, and I'll, and I'll allude to that a little bit more uh, a little bit later. So, um, some of my early on, early walkings with God, um, and now if, if we fast forward a bit, because I don't want to take too, too much time, I want to fast forward to where we are in the last few years. Uh, Pastor Chris uh, from, from uh, Meadowbrook Church, uh, he was a godsend for me. Uh, for all of us, when we came back from Alberta uh, some six years ago, so August will officially be six years that we've been back in this area, and I remember coming back to visit New Life Christian Fellowship that one Sunday, and the, uh, the air was thick. John and Lena are back! And I'll tell you, um, I felt very compelled to plug my family back into the church here but we had three teenagers that were in crisis. And my question to people is, is when is the right time to relocate teenagers? The answer is never. You cannot pick the right time to relocate teenagers. When they're younger, they're a little more pliable, a little more malleable. Um, And we knew this going in. And so we took about eight months of preparation to prepare our kids to move. And still, there were some very, very dark times for them. And, and I, uh, I recognized just the challenge that that was. I will say this, they are better for it today. Um, I'll brag on my kids a little bit, because that's what parents should do, right? Um, not, not because we did everything right. Um, there were some scary times, uh, especially plugging the kids back into high school. They came, uh, Alberta offered us a very safe uh, public school system where a lot of the teachers were believers. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is still being said in most of their schools over there. Uh, Especially in the more remote areas, um, they they just simply take more liberties. And especially if if there's a lot of shared values in the community. My parents, when they came to visit, my dad was convinced the kids were at a uh, private school. He asked me how much I had to pay for my kids to go there. And I said, those are our tax dollars at work. That's the public show. Yeah. So there are parts of our modern world that still hang on to um, more traditional values. And we, we were better for it. It was a struggle coming back. We didn't have the finances. We had a, a business opportunity that we launched into. Oh God, what are we doing putting kids back into public school? And some of you, I imagine, your kids are going to public school as well. The public school is not, their responsibility is not to grow our children up uh, and to teach them about faith and values. That's our job at home, and that the church can supplement that. But the primary responsibility is mom and dad and in that home, right? Home environment. If you have the option of, you know, private school or homeschooling, I say kudos to you. I... uh, I'll go on a limb and say the public school system has failed us for a lot of years already. At the same time, it's not up to the public school, so your kids can still be in that environment. And here's the thing, you guys as parents have much more of a voice than you might think. And I, met, I meet on Tuesdays with other people of faith who are business owners, and some of them have taken it upon themselves now that they are grandparents to go have conversations with the teachers and the principals of our schools. Very, very few of us have the audacity to do that. And I'm not, I'm not talking showing up and blasting into them and telling them how bad of a job they're doing. Just asking questions and sharing the convictions, sharing the values that we hope to see and the values that we know are good for us as a community overall. It's typically the very few that have an agenda, that have this massive voice, and they can influence. And I think it's time for us as parents of more traditional values, of Christian, uh, uh, of Christian values, to also add our voice in there and offer the hope that we have through, through the message of, of the, the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And we can do a good job of that. We can be very creative in, in doing that. A time frame. I think it was about two years ago, and I think I've shared uh, a part of this story already, but I think it bears repeating. Pastor Chris was going through a series 
and, uh, and he was reading from Mark chapter 10. This is the story of Bartimaeus, who was blind. And he comes, actually Jesus is coming into the community, and, uh, and here he is, and he's yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And some of the people around them, around him, were yelling at him to shut up. Be quiet. What did he do? He yelled even louder, right? This rebel knew something was up, and it's my turn. I want to be healed. I want to get that next blessing from God. It's my turn. And I would say this, if ever there's, an oppor- if ever there's a time where you should be selfish in your life, that's where it's at. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, if you want to be blessed, you want to be healed, this is where you have those parables of the widow who comes to the judge. And there's this relentless pursuit. And and the judge in that story is not a representative of God the Father because he talks about himself not being righteous and not being just. But he's going to do what she's asking because he's tired of her and he just wants her to go away. The the point of that story is we need to pursue God relentlessly. Unashamedly. Is that a good English word? I think it is. We'll say so this morning. Unabashedly, we need to pursue God and keep asking him like Bartimaeus did. And so Jesus' response was, he stopped took notice, right? And if, and if, you, if you read through the parables and, and the miracles that Jesus did, you'll find that he often would pick out the things that most people would not notice. Actually, sometimes it was the things that people wanted to push aside and stop, like in this case too, shut up. It's Jesus you're talking to, right? Quiet. I want more. I need him. Jesus looks over and he says, cheer up. Oh, actually, the people says, cheer up. He says, they say, come, he's calling you. So Jesus is calling him, and then he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, why, why would he ask that? Isn't it obvious? And he says, I want to see And we can over-spiritualize this, and I think we should. He says, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So his visual, his physical sight was, was restored. Often Jesus in those miracles will first address the spiritual condition, and then he addresses the physical condition. And so that is normally what the order is. In this case, he just goes for it. He heals the guy. And the man is set free. And so what Pastor Chris did with that passage, he offered that to the church. And he says, okay. And and we'll do this as an exercise. If you're comfortable with this, let's close our eyes. And we'll ask that question. Jesus is asking you, What do you want me to do for you? And we listen. And we calm our hearts. Maybe have a breath. And if something comes to mind, remember it. Capture that thought. For me, that response on that day was discipline. I heard the word discipline. And I I don't know if I heard it audibly, But that word was impressed on my heart, discipline. One of the forms of discipline that I know a little bit about is at the gym. And God has blessed me with no injuries in all the years that I've had this on and off relationship with the gym. I've been cheating on it every once in a while and I just abandon that relationship. I'm a negligent partner sometimes. But I recognize the re- one of the reasons that I've been able to do what I've been able to do in the gym lately is because of the work that I did early on. 
and from a science perspective, there's such a thing as muscle memory and bone density as your body struggles under those, those weights, right? It is good for your body to have to move and to struggle and to work. It's good for your heart to get your heart rate up for a prolonged period. It's good for your bottom line, <laughs> right? Or your midsection, whichever you want to look, way you want to look at it, right? It's, but again, this illusion back to effort is needed, struggle is often needed for health to be there, for vitality. Um, it's, it's something that we know inherently. We wrestle, we struggle with the discipline of our physical bodies, let alone the discipline of our hearts and our spiritual world. And I'm finding that as I've been able to have success in the physical areas, it's been affecting my spiritual life. I no longer find it a chore to make sure I'm listening to something that's edifying or... Uh, and you know what? Sometimes classic rock still creeps in and I enjoy it. I thoroughly do. Certain songs. There are songs that I just have to... Oh, wow, I didn't remember that lyric. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, God. Help me redeem that one. But music and song styles, to me, there is uh, very little between sacred and secular. We've done that as a church at times. We've created these divisions between sacred and secular, and I don't think it's entirely wrong. Um, but sometimes we miss what God is doing um, and the potential that's there. I, this is going to be a little random this morning, and I'll get back to our, our passage, and I, I'm trusting it's all going to tie together. Uh, I have a neighbor that lives uh, kind of behind us on the sixth concession, and he has a, it's an early 80s uh, Cutlass, it's an Oldsmobile, and he's got an engine that sounds incredible in it. And one of the, and I, I have an older car as well, and, and I just, I kept asking God for an opportunity to pull in, partly just to see his car, because <laughs> it's a nice car. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, one of the days I was out in my car, he was outside, I pulled in, and he was absolutely enamored with my car. And my car looks amazing from about 100 feet away. And, uh, and it makes the right noises, and I get to be a teenager every once in a while again. It's, it's awesome. But the big, bigger reason why I pulled in was to start a relationship with him. And there are nights when I'm having a campfire in the backyard where there's band practice at his house. So he's part of two, ba two bands, and they tour, and he plays casinos in the States. And his day job is making countertops. <laughs> right? And... Uh, yeah, I pulled in and, uh, and we had this great chat um, as neighbors. And, uh, and, and it's just been interesting, these opportunities that have come my way to reach out to people and I get these nudges to go and say something to somebody. Um, a few days ago, Lena was waiting for me to wrap up at the gym Here's a young man that's wrapping up his workout. Uh, he starts putting his weights away, and I went over and started helping him put weights away. And it was awkward because I, I think he had a pretty serious man crush on me. <clears throat> it turns out he was 16 years old, and I'm the old guy there now. And I can pull probably, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm one of the strongest guys at the gym right now. That's what they keep telling me. I'm not entirely convinced. But the story that I relate to some of these guys is, look, I was, I was you. I was that 16-year-old that was looking for purpose and direction and meaning in life. I was struggling with self-esteem. I had a body type that was difficult. My body is super, super, super efficient at putting on fat. Um, it's a gift. It must be, <laughs> right? And, uh, and so I remember being with that boy walking into the gym and seeing these guys bench pressing over 300 pounds or whatever it was. And I also remember 
never having that opportunity to interact with them at all because they did not have the time of day for me. These boys are coming to me now, unannounced, I don't know them, or in this case, helping somebody put a few weights away. Um, you know, and Lena was watching this interaction and she asked me later on, like, well, how, how long have you known him? I said, that was my first encounter with him. And his parents were part of the Old Colony Church in Kingsville. And, and uh, you know, it just, it was so easy. And I know I've been given that. I'm an extrovert. God has given me this ability to be less awkward or less uncomfortable approaching people. But that's been turned up by 10 or whatever. Lately, it's just been ridiculous. And then the whole intent, being intentional as well, to turn that conversation as soon as I can into a kingdom focus. It's astounding. The reason I'm telling you these stories is because we can come we can become fairly, fairly complacent. And we read these stories of these miracles and this interaction with Jesus, and it'd be like, wouldn't that be great if something like that could happen nowadays? It does. I'm telling you, it does. We have to be willing, though, and we have to do our part. God has done his part. He's given us these great and precious promises He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. What's our responsibility? There's character stuff we need to work on. And this isn't working out for salvation. Let's not get that confused because we can't add or take away from anything that will either impress God or detract or or have him look away from us. We need to keep working so that he keeps softening us and molding us into a little bit more of what he wants in the end. And when we went to Bible college years ago, we were classified at that point as mature students, and I chuckled. (laughs) It's like, you have no idea. I look forward to becoming a mature believer. I'm looking forward to that day when I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. There are days when I don't feel that. But I will say this, I've had days where I've felt that more so than the opposite. And almost all of that has been on the tail end of myself becoming more disciplined. So it started with the physical discipline. It's morphing into a more intentional time in the scriptures Again, orienting myself around things that are kingdom-minded. Turning conversations. uh, The gentleman that works at the gym, he's a competitive bodybuilder, and he loves to have fun and joke with me. And and a while ago, I asked him for clean jokes, and and, uh, sometimes he has those. But a few days ago, actually it was the same day my wife was there at the gym, he asked if I had a minute for a question. And then it seemed like he wasn't comfortable because Lena was there. So the following morning, I made a point of following up with him, and I said, hey, you had a question for me. Oh, yeah, you had completely forgotten. And he's like, you know, this new TV series, there's a, I guess there's a series called Lucifer. Um, and he said, uh, you know, there was this TikTok clip that basically was trying to, you know, explain why Satan was cast out of heaven. And that really, you know, he wasn't all that bad, and it was kind of like he had been kicked out of heaven unfairly. And it was interesting that he, without growing up in the church, he knew that that wasn't right. And he trusted me enough to come to me with those questions. And I confirmed that for him. Yeah, you, you know in your heart that that's not right, that Satan was looking for his own glory, and that glory only belongs to God the Father. And he wasn't unjustly kicked out of heaven. Um, It it was just simply the consequences of his actions. As as there are consequences for our own actions as well. Another another young man who I I think I relayed this a while ago where he came to me after some uh, time being absent in the gym and he made a beeline for me and he apologized for not being there. And again, 
just barely know him. Uh, he was also of a larger size, struggled body image-wise, and he reminded me of me, right? That was me. And I told him that. And, uh, and so just a few days ago, had another encounter with him, and we stood there partly in the aisleway next to the treadmills. We had to move for people to get past us, and somebody's working out doing lunges beside us, and just, it didn't matter what was going on beside us and around us. We were having this, this talk. And at one point I said too, like, look, like, I don't know if I'm coming across too heavy-handed. And no, 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 no. He says, I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking for enlightenment. He's looking for light. He's looking for truth. And I, I just happened to be the one that God chose to put in his path. I, I don't deserve that. I don't think. And, and actually, uh, I, do, I use Dave Ramsey's response to how you doing better than I deserve. It still works. Most times people, it catches them, right? But it's a posture of recognizing that I'm not worthy of his grace. Almost the entire world around you says that you do deserve it. You're, you deserve this or you deserve that. Almost all of that comes on the tail end of oppression, right? Because they're wanting you to overspend, overcommit yourself, trash your values, because, oh, you deserve it. Actually, again, it's kicking out discipline out of our lives. Almost all of that involves pushing discipline aside. Again, please don't hear me that we're working our way into heaven. Please don't hear that because there's nothing that we can add to what's already been done. It's a gift. Our response is out of that thankfulness of that gift, we're responding with our lives. And then I was scrambling. I ran back to the locker to go get my keys because I, I thought I had a little New Testament in the truck that I wanted. And then, and then I, I realized that actually it had been quite a few years since I'd handed a Bible to somebody or or a, yeah, a New Testament. I've done that in the past, and it's been, it's been good for me. I trust it's been way better for them. But it's like, yeah, I need to restock. I've, I've grown a little bit lax in putting truth into people's hands. I've seen it done very poorly. You know, this whole door-to-door -door evangelism. Some groups have made a mess of it. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. The way we do it is, is super important. So when we think of back to our passage, um, the character qualities that are needing our attention, our work, um, as I began to do more and more work uh, in, uh, with those character qualities that we found in 1 Peter, things began to change for me. Not right away, but the work required for both external and internal change it comes at a cost. I alluded to that earlier. I had to be willing to put in effort in order that God would grow my character. Jesus died on the cross as a payment for the penalty of my sins so that I could enjoy a restored relationship with my Father in heaven. I, I just, I want to add this. I trust that you don't think that that's where that relationship starts. It starts now. And, it, and, and the richness, the depth of that relationship is largely in our hands. It is something that we are mostly in control of, except for when God all of a sudden injects his Holy Spirit, and then it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. I consulted with my life, wife, Lena, about coming to preach again today dressed in a t-shirt and shorts. And she didn't know if it was a good idea. I didn't either. But I felt like I was supposed to do that. And I have, this is a shirt that she made for me. It just makes sense. Apparently, I say that a lot. <clears throat> and apparently, the shirt looked bigger when she bought it. <laughs> so... Um, 
yeah, it looks like I'm trying really hard this morning, <laughs> just attire-wise. Uh, and, and I appreciate dressing up a bit for Sunday, and I think we should. Uh, I normally wear a, a button-up or a collared shirt, uh, if, especially if I'm, I'm on task. But I felt like this morning, and, and you've got a, a, a really young group here still, which is amazing. And I remember being in the back of that old colony church, feeling pretty ostracized and, and looked down upon, you know, oh, the young invention. There was often a, uh, a message and a concern, and, and the concern was founded. I think the concern, the motivation was good. Um, the way they delivered the message could use some work. Because it felt, uh, I felt ashamed almost always, right? Uh, no, and knowing full well, and what it was back then was conviction, um, but, but there wasn't a lot of grace in the truth that was being presented. It was still a good thing to hear overall. Um, but yeah, um, as, as we leaned into, both Lena and myself, as we leaned into giving our lives to God, there was a lot of things that just seemed to make sense to me. It just makes sense. I would often say that. From an earthly perspective, there's a lot of things that have happened in my life that do not make sense. Um, I remember Jake Newdorf years ago when we still were meeting in town on uh, the old bakery. We put a for sale sign up in front of our house after almost three years married. How did you know that you were supposed to sell your house and move your family to Manitoba to Bible College? How did you know? I didn't know, but I had a sense, and I was afraid of missing out if this is what God had for us. How did you know you were supposed to relocate teenagers back to South? I didn't know, but I had a sense, and I didn't want to miss out if this is what God had for me, for us as a family. And it made sense in from a heavenly perspective, when you include God in the equation in life, a lot of things make sense. It also didn't make sense that while I was in Alberta, um, after our four and a half years pastoring a small church, um, we stepped aside from that role. We stayed there for two more years till the next pastor couple came. In that time, I stepped into a very normal, very kind of mundane role of work. And I felt really, really inadequate and maybe a little embarrassed to be out doing sales for a promotional marketing company and, uh, and putting letters on a sign because part of their business was sign rentals. And, and all of a sudden I remember feeling that, you know what? I'm not, I'm not overqualified for this. Uh, I'm not, this isn't beneath me. And, and when I changed or adjusted my heart, things started happening. And then I got called into an insurance office where a, a relative of mine was looking to replace himself as the leader of that branch for Mennonite Mutual Insurance. They're just an, a specific uh, Alberta insurance company. Uh, a year into that role, uh, the bank was calling. And I spent two and a half years as a, as a bank manager in Alberta. How do you explain that? apart from God. I, as we've been journeying, I've been finding out through these uh, different roles that have come before me, I've been finding what I don't want to do. To a degree, that's what it's been. It's been an adventure where I get to figure out what it is that I don't want to do. It's just a different way of looking at it. Because uh, sometimes it feels like failure when you're transitioning from role to role but I get the benefit now of being able to look back and see the, the character building that God has been doing in all those subsequent roles. And, uh, and it's been amazing. It's, it's been on the heels of discipline. Another, uh, another opportunity to respond to a, uh, a call from Pastor Chris. Um, a word discipline showed up and then, then the word more. And, uh, and so that's been my life for the last few years now, is, 
is a, a concerted effort to be what I can be, to be a representative of the kingdom wherever I'm at, um, and, and it's God that gives the increase. I don't know what, what Meadowbrook's going to look like, you know, in the next little bit. I've got, I, I've definitely uh, got my role there and, and am going to be helping out from the front as well. Um, but it's been amazing. So, and in, 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 in wrapping up uh, here, this whole concept of it just making sense, I often use this phrase as Lena and I discuss how God is working in us. The truth of the matter is that looking at my life from an earthly perspective, and I want to just make this clear, many things do not make sense. However, if you include a heavenly perspective, it just makes sense. It is how I am choosing to try to live my life through the lens of what it is that the God who cares enough about me to call me, give me a purpose, and also provide all that I need to become equipped. He is a good God. And he deserves, he deserves my praise. I mentioned a resource to Bill earlier that uh, we're working through. It's called River Dwellers. And I appreciate that last song, uh, To the River. What do we understand that to mean? You know, when we get in the river, um, we're, we're joining in on this river of life, this journey with the Holy Spirit, um, you know, and, and, and actually it's written by Rob Reimer. Some call him Reimer. I'm not sure if that's just a contemporary way of uh, saying that, but it's been a resource that's used throughout the leadership at Meadowbrook Church, and some study groups are using it. Uh, it's an intentional look at how the Holy Spirit works in our lives if we allow him to. And so look that resource up, bring it in, uh, River Dwellers by Rob Reimer. He's got a second, uh, I don't know if it's second, but another resource from him is Soul Care. Um, I would say this River Dweller book is really good to go through first before Soul Care. Soul Care, soul care is, is much more of an intentional look at dealing with our past and our internal stuff. Um, and uh, some of us may not be ready for that deep dive just yet. So River Dwellers is a great introduction to that. God has given us all that we need to be able to live out what he is asking of us. He's looking for us uh, to be willing and for commitment in order that he can pour that into us. One of the things that I've really, really appreciated about my time at Meadowbrook has been their focus on prayer. Uh, and I'm going to offer that today as well. If, if there's somebody that just simply wants to spend some time together praying after the service, I will stick around. Maybe there will be others as well. Over there we have prayer teams that come forward. Um, so this isn't an altar call. I'm not going to scare you into anything. But if God's leaning into, if you, if you feel God leaning into your heart this morning, one of the, one of the dangers, I can say dangers, now, now it sounds like I'm using scare tactics. If you feel a nudge and you want to press into God more, why wouldn't you want somebody to pray with you, <laughs> right? And again, I take that right from Chris. Somebody's offering to pray, of course you should say yes and come forward, right? You may not be comfortable doing that. That's okay. Find somebody then. Um, maybe it could be your parents. Maybe it's a trusted uh, adult figure in your You know, maybe it's a friend. But God is calling always. And he's, he's calling not out of... Uh, an air of coercion or, um, but conviction comes in many forms. And I would say this, if you hear his voice today, don't ignore it. I hope that I can be that example for you of what is possible. And I think I'm just dipping my toe in, honestly. I think I'm just starting to see what's possible um, in the life of a Christ follower when there's commitment a willingness to be disciplined, um, a heart that is trying to be in tune with who God is. There's lots of distractions. There's a lot of things vying for our attention out there. Not everything that's out there is evil. Not everything that's in the church is good. Let's be honest. But anything, anytime where there's truth, all truth comes from the Father. That's one thing I've learned in life. 
And again, if we're being impressed, if our hearts are being pushed, that we want, that God wants to, to speak into us more, um, by all means, uh, respond to that. I want to pray for you uh, in closing, and uh, we'll close the service from there. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you've done in my life, and I, I, I honestly look forward to more. And so thank you for those words that came fairly clearly some time ago. And I pray for your people, your church here at New Life Christian Fellowship. God, would you do the same? Would you give these individuals in these pews a word? Uh, would you press, impress on their hearts just how much you love them and how that, that can carry them through the difficult times? And we've been given so much. We return thanks and we return honor and worship to you, Father, because you've given us everything that we need for a relationship with you to be restored and to be effective in our wanting to be used in your kingdom purposes. So would you give us the grace to come to you again and again and keep drinking from that well um, and, and stay in that river, the river of life, where, where you have so much, where, where we won't dry up. And God, when we get away from that river, would you convict us through your Holy Spirit's work so that we can be pulled back into the fold, come back and drink again of your goodness. God, we ask for your blessing on this place, but more importantly, on your people, because they're the ones that do the work of the church. And would you impress on us each morning, God, that you have something in store for us that day. And, uh, and God, that we can be in so in tune with that, that we are just amazed at what you have in store. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.